Here we go. Yes, you're listening to Law and Gospel on this February the 14th in the year of our Lord 2024. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and this is a special day, of course. This is Ash Wednesday. So on Monday, we did the readings for the first Sunday in Lent, and today we're going to do readings from Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is the beginning of Lent, and the readings are from Joel chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and Matthew chapter 6. So let's begin with Joel chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. It's 12 to 19. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Now, what does that mean? How do we return to the Lord with all our heart? He's not talking about our old heart, our sinful heart. He's talking about the new heart that we have received through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what is the first item that our new heart does? He continues in verse 12. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And that mourning is M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. And rend your hearts and not your garments. What's he talking about there? He's talking about the ministry of John the Baptizer. Repent. Repent of our sins with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. And rend your hearts. In other words, turn your hearts to God and do not think that tearing your garments, rending your garments, is sufficient. In fact, rending your garments was often done by priests when they were confronting what they considered to be false doctrine. Remember when Jesus was arrested and taken to the place of the high priest, who then sent him to Pontius Pilate, when the high priest thought that Jesus was saying that he was God, he rendered his garments. And so he did that where he thought Jesus was committing sin. Jesus was not committing sin. He truly was God and is God. And so rather than the high priest rending his hearts and confessing his sin before God, he announced instead that Jesus 
was committing blasphemy, and therefore the priest tore his heart, tore his clothes, rather than his heart. Verse 19 goes on, verse 18. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Now there you have the two great signifiers of God. To be gracious means that he gives you what you do not deserve. And to be merciful means that you will not get what you deserve. This is Old Testament. In other words, this is the teaching of the gospel. Already in the Old Testament, in Joel chapter 2. Now, why is God gracious and merciful? That's explained in verse 13. Because he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disasters. In other words, God does not appreciate the disasters of unbelievers that will lead them to an eternal death. Instead, he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Going on, verse 14 of Joel chapter 2. Who knows? whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. So this is a verse that says, it's very difficult for us to realize how great is the love of God. Who knows that he will not turn and relent of his justice in giving us eternal hell and instead leave a blessing behind us. And what is that blessing? It says it is a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. You notice what the blessing is? It is not so much that he gives us something but that we give him a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord our God. In other words, that's talking about worship. For in worship, we give offerings to God, even a drink offering, which would be the Lord's Supper. Verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Now, blowing the trumpet is found a lot of times in the Bible where angels are recognized. At Mount Sinai, they blew a trumpet. And it also says the trumpet will blow on the last day of judgment to announce the coming of the faithful 
into the communion of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we not only blow the trumpet, and I've had that happen in worship services, where a trumpet will come in and help us sing the hymns, reminding us that in our worship, we are therefore giving glory to God. In Zion, Zion is Jerusalem, and the new Jerusalem is the holy Christian congregation, which we worship a lot of times on Sundays. Some have Saturday worship services, Monday worship services, Ash Wednesday worship services, Monday Thursday worship services, Good Friday worship services. Only on Tuesday, unless a congregation has a worship service every morning, is there not a worship service? So we consecrate a fast and call a solemn assembly, gather the people. That's coming into the Holy Christian communion with God. Verse 15 says, consecrate the congregation. Now, what does it mean to consecrate the congregation? The word consecrate means to set aside for a holy purpose. For example, in preparation for worship, the people set themselves apart from their work, their food. They, all the people, the young and the old, they bathe and wash their clothes. Even newlyweds would postpone their honeymoons to join in this ritual of fasting and cleansing. Because what do we talk about? The service begins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, reminding us of what happened in our baptism. For in our baptism, God has forgiven our sins. And that's how the consecration of the congregation takes place. Verse 17 says, it takes place between the vestibule and the altar. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say to the Lord, spare your people and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why would they say among the peoples, where is their God? Now the peoples of the world may say that, but why would they say that? Because it is so obvious that God is not reproaching his people. He has sent his son to die on the cross, be raised from the dead, 
and ascend into heaven to be at his right side. Then verse 18, then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. That means he loved them. And verse 19 says, the Lord answered and said to his people, behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied and will no more make you a reproach among the nations. Now that is understood, that verse from the Old Testament, that when God blesses his people, they have grain that is growing. They have wine that can be produced and oil used to light the lamps so that they can worship even at night. This is the first reading for Ash Wednesday, Joel 2, 12 to 19. We then move to the second reading, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 20b to 610. 20b means the second part of verse 20. It reads Paul's writing to the Corinthians. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Wow, that's Christianity. You see, in every other religion in the world, the opposite is taught. They try to do good works to get God to be reconciled to them. They don't realize that he has already reconciled to them because of the death of Christ on the cross. That's what recognized God's reconciliation to his people. So the task of the church is not to get people to do good works so they get reconciled to God. He's already reconciled to you because of the death of Jesus Christ. So Christianity is getting people to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What is Paul talking about? Jesus was made to be sin. He was not a sinner, but he was declared to be sin for us. That occurred at his baptism by John the baptizer in the Jordan when Jesus underwent a baptism of repentance. He had nothing to be repentant of because he was not a sinner. 
but he stood as a substitute for you and me in being reconciled to God, which meant that he was first declared to be sin and died for that sin at his crucifixion so that we might become the righteousness of God. Yes, that's how Christianity works. You are not righteous before God by obeying the law because born in sinful nature, you and I cannot obey the law perfectly. We always, according to the Bible, fall short of the glory of God in doing good works. So God takes our place. He is declared to be sin for us in order that God is now reconciled to you because of the death of Jesus Christ. That death was also Jesus as our substitute dying for us so that we might receive the righteousness of God. See, even for a while, Martin Luther misread the Bible. He thought that to receive the righteousness of God meant that he had to do righteous works. And he was very saddened by that because he realized he could not do righteous works, always falling short of the glory of God. But when he came to recognize that by receiving faith from the Holy Spirit, he also received the righteousness of God that therefore he was saved by grace, through faith, not on account of his works, lest anyone should boast. Now, in the life of sanctification, Martin Luther and every Christian in faith receives righteousness in order to do righteous good works but that is a gift from the Holy Spirit, that righteousness which declares him to be justified in God's sight through the forgiveness of sins. Chapter 6, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians. Working together with him, that's with Jesus Christ, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Now, how has Jesus helped us? He first listened to us. What was he listening to? 
He was listening to our prayers of repentance. A great one was by David in the Psalms. He prayed to God, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. God listened to us and he appealed to us by his grace so that we might receive the wonderful gift of the righteousness of God and not in vain. For after God listened to us in a day of salvation, he helped us. And how did Jesus help us? By our listening to him. That was the main theme on the Mount of Transfiguration. When God the Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, listen to him. Listening to Jesus means to do the works of salvation. They do not save us because they actually are the result of our already having been saved, receiving the righteousness of God. That's a favorable time, according to the verse. Verse two, behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. See, we've already had the day of salvation at our baptism, having received the gift of the forgiveness of sins and therefore the righteousness of God. And in verse three, it says, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. That's so different than the world. How do they put an obstacle in the way of your salvation? The obstacle is your sin. They say that rejects God's salvation. So until you stop from sinning, you cannot be saved which is the very opposite of what Christianity teaches because it teaches we receive his righteousness even while we are sinning in our life. So Christians don't put the obstacle of having finished our sin. Verse four, but as servants of God, and that can also be translated as slaves of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance. We commend ourselves to God, looking to him in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, 
labors, sleepless nights, hunger. How? By purity. And what purity do we have? We have the righteousness of God given to us in our baptism. And therefore, we are commend ourselves in every way by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. What does it mean, the right hand and for the left? That whatever we do, we do it with honor through treated as God's children. We are treated as imposters, and yet we act true. Yes, the world treats us as imposters, denying our word about morality, about worship. The world doesn't think it needs it because it does not yet recognize the true message of the Christian faith, which is found in many programs when you listen to KFUO. The true message is that you have been reconciled to God in your baptism after he has been reconciled to you by the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. Remember the shuns, namely his becoming a human being, then his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. You are reconciled to God through faith given by the Holy Spirit. Join with us tomorrow to hear more about law and gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. Be with us tomorrow at 9.30. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.